This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. For me, I'm really passionate about not seeing people as a top selling pose, not seeing people as how many portraits I'm going to sell to them, but seeing them for who they are, celebrating the beauty within them for whatever that means for them, and just really celebrating humanity. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real life stories of how other photographers run their business and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week on The Portrait System, my guest is Michelle Mateus. Michelle has been a photographer in Vancouver, British Columbia since 2015, and her main genre is boudoir with a focus on empowerment. Michelle shares how she creates a safe and welcoming environment for her clients, and while she doesn't really like to focus on money when it comes to her business, she still maintains an over $3,000 sales average. Okay, let's get started with Michelle Mateus. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to The Portrait System. Thanks for having me, Nikki. This is I'm super excited to be here and very spontaneous. So I know, I know we kind of <laughs> did it last minute. Every so often. It. Yeah, every so often I love we it. have to make it happen. <laughs> I think this is a good reminder of when you're when you should say yes. You know, sometimes you have to say yeah. no. And sometimes you just be open to saying yes. So I'm excited to be here. That's great. I know it's it's so funny. I now that I'm well, I'm 46 now, but once I turned 40, I started really kind of honing in on when I'm gonna say yes and when I'm gonna say no. And that saying no is okay, just as much as saying yes is okay. Totally. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I'm also in the 46 Club. 1977. Are you 46? Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. Best That's year awesome. ever. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. You do yeah. not look 46. Oh, thanks. I mean, not that it matters. You know, whatever. We all look whatever. I'm not trying to say that you have to look a certain way if you're 46 or not. But anyways. It's, just my, it's my uh, jovial spirit. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, Michelle, will you tell people just a little bit about, well, first, where do you live and where's your studio? And then what do you mostly shoot? 
Okay, sure. Um, I am in Vancouver, Canada, just about half an hour outside of Vancouver in a small, well, actually, it's not a small suburb anymore. The city has been so sprawling. Um, so it almost feels like a different neighborhood of Vancouver. And I have a home studio. In fact, um, I have 300 square feet that used to be my kids' playroom. And so wow. I shoot in here. Yes, I um, actually just I wouldn't playing. guess that. Based on yeah. your work, that oh, it was, okay. that you have a yeah, that you have a small smaller space, yeah, yeah. It's three hundred square feet. It's um, small, and um, it's definitely a bone of contention still with my nine year old because I took over when he was four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mostly shoot boudoir and intimate portraits, and I also do personal brand photography. For the personal brand photography, I do that on location. I've been doing that for about eight years, and I started the studio well when my son was four, so about five years ago. Okay, awesome. I had a 300 square foot studio for four years. I loved it. It was like my little bread and butter studio. And um, if it didn't start smelling like a dead animal and we couldn't figure out why, I don't think I would have ever moved out of it in Seattle. But the landlord's like, I don't know what to tell you. We can't work it out. And I'm like, well, I can't have my studio smelling like a dead animal. So we're going to have to go. Okay. But. That doesn't sound great, but yeah, yeah, you know what? I just, um, finished recording my first course and it's going to be like small spaces, big impact. And sweet. I feel like the whole thing about having a small studio originally really stressed me out. And I thought I needed all these things. And the more I connected with my original purpose and my why of just, I love simplicity. I'm a total minimalist mm-hmm. and leaning into that. I feel like when you have a small space, it forces you to be more creative in a way because you mm-hmm. have to like, it's like the tiny home show, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where everything is like transforming and you have to find, yeah, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't change it to be honest. And honestly, rent here in Vancouver is insane. Yes. That part of the the world is uh, quite insane. expensive. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. From being in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Being in Michigan, it's different. I mean, the area that I live in in Michigan isn't the cheapest, but it is definitely night and day from Seattle, Vancouver, Port, like that whole area. Pretty wild. The West Coast. Yeah. West Coast, best coast. Yeah. It's because yeah. we have great weather <laughs> and everyone wants to come here. And it's, <laughs> it's a, but yeah. And you know what? It's the best commute ever. So I can't complain. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay. So you said that, you know, it, having that smaller space or whatever brings you back to kind of your why and, and why you do this. Like, I know that, I know you said you do shoot boudoir and intimate type portraits, but you also have a, you know, a pretty strong, solid message behind what you do. Will you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. And it's interesting in thinking about talking with you today because that message, actually, I had an interview with Terry Hofford recently and she was like, have you always been like that? And I was like, yes, because when I went to university, I studied social justice and feminist theory. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a bit of a you know, human rights activist, a total freedom warrior kind of person. And yeah. when I became a photographer, that got lost for sure. Um, because I was so focused on business and making this work and everything like that. And um, over the years, just refining my message and coming back to that wise. For me, I'm really passionate about not seeing people as a top selling pose, not seeing people as how many portraits I'm going to sell to them, but seeing them for who they are, celebrating the beauty within them for whatever that means for them and just really celebrating humanity. And I, yeah, I really pride myself in that. And I think that that really goes back to those original academic roots that I never knew I was going to (laughs) use when you're doing your undergrad. You know, I did use it professionally um, in my day job before I had a business, but for me, it's all about meeting people where they're at and um, reflecting back what I can capture in them that maybe they forgot that they had within them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, I don't Photoshop a lot. I'm really passionate about just trying to capture the essence of someone for whoever Mm -hmm. they are. So how do you balance that? Because yes, you can, of course, it's all about our clients and making them just feel comfortable and confident and proud of the images that you deliver to them. But it also is how, I mean, that's how I pay my bills. So how do you, because I know you're like, it's not about how many photos you can sell or whatever, but like, how do you balance that between I need to make X amount of money per shoot in order to pay, you know what I mean? Like, 
That's okay. I, that's a great question. I mean, I have yeah. a high average sale, I think. It's pretty decent. It's about 3500 currently. That's awesome. um, yeah, that's between great. that and 5000. And so and and I don't I don't have a posing system. Um I just actually just had a photographer message me and was like, I'd love to see a video of you shooting. Your people always look like they're dancing. And I think it's because I connect so deeply with them that I don't yeah. have to think about that stuff because I know that I have that confidence in myself with my yeah. camera, with my skills. I did actually go to school for photography and I went to school for design. And oh, nice. so I have yeah. a really strong foundational um, basis. And I think I got so wound up in the business that I forgot about the people. Um, and so going back to yeah. that, my sales got bigger, um, my connection and the depth of my work and how I okay. feel about it that grew makes exponentially, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that that's how I balance it because I'm not so focused on that anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that when you become so focused on the money and like this, I don't know if this video is going to be shown, but I feel like I'm doing this like train track yes. um, yeah. <laughs> movement. That's that's where you're at and you're not really I don't know. I'm a total empath and like working from that heart center, I don't know. It just calls in more of that juicy goodness and less of my focus yeah. has been going on the metrics, which I know are important. Yes, this is also not a hobby for me. I need to right. make money. I live in the most expensive city in Canada. <laughs> so it's not like, oh, you know, my husband has it covered. No, that's not our case at all. Yes. But I feel like because I focus more on that connection and that depth mm-hmm. and the artistry, um, yeah, it just all works out that way. It's Yeah, it's so, it's so true. That whole connection piece I mean, not that I can say this is like solid data, but just based on the feedback that I've had from clients and the referrals that I get from clients, I think one of the main reasons I have been as successful as I am with clients is exactly what you said. It's connecting Mm -hmm. with them. It's making them feel comfortable. And this is what I love about this business. We can all have a different way of doing things, but having the same result, which is connecting and making the money and making our clients feel amazing and all of that. Like I have more of a structured, like, well, okay, for personal branding, if I'm going to do family shoots or, you know, boudoir or seniors, I don't have as much of a system. But for personal branding, I tend to be more efficient. I have more of a system. But but yeah, I mean, I think however you decide to do it and how it feels for you, exactly what you're saying, you can't forget that this is not a dollar sign. It's a human being who, yes, is going to pay you, but it's all about how you're making them feel in that moment. Whether you're in a home 300 square foot studio space or a big, huge space. It all goes back to how you're making them feel. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking as you were saying that, and we've heard this so many times, like when we're on our deathbed, what are we thinking about? Are we thinking that we wish we made more money? No. We're thinking that we wished that we had more time with those that we love. So if we apply that to our business, if we apply this mindset of like not just thinking of wanting more money, but how can we connect and serve, mm-hmm. not sell, right? You've heard that mm-hmm. many times, I'm sure. I feel like that's where the shift starts to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, I shoot personal branding too. And I don't know if it's because I'm just neurotypical or what, but I just, I find it very hard to have like just a set system. I feel so strangled by that. Yeah. You know, I have, yeah. I do have things in place like questionnaires and all of that good stuff. But when I'm in the zone with that person, I'll tell you, I just did a photo shoot recently and she showed up. I photographed her in December. She came back already in June. Nice. And awesome. she was like, she got to my door. She's like, I'm having the worst day ever. Oh, I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, challenge accepted. And um, we had an amazing time. I did her reveal yesterday, amazing sale. And she was like, I needed that so much that day. So oh, I could have like best. taken on her energy and been like, oh, she's having a worst day and been mm-hmm. really stressed. Or I could have just seen her like with em- empathy and been like, she probably really needs a really lovely special day today and met her energy where it was at. And I think that's our job. Yeah. Will you take us through kind of what your shooting process is yeah. and, you know, start to finish? Yeah, for sure. I'm a little bit woo-woo. So, um, I love it. Love woo-woo. <laughs> and as you noted on my website, I try and be really clear about my message. And for me, that's also about attracting the right people. And, and I'm okay mm-hmm. to repel people too. Right away, of course, I do like the discovery call. I actually have someone that helps me with those. I'm just too busy to do nice. them. Yep. And just yesterday, I rewrote my script because I had this script that was feeling, I don't know, a bit stuffy. And I just rewrote it to come from a totally different angle and um, 
I've been doing this embodiment coaching program. And so bringing more of that language into our initial call. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. And then of course, uh, once they start, I have a creative consultation. Some people call that the wardrobe consultation. So I do that. And I also have like a questionnaire, things like that. What, um, uh, just really quickly for people yeah. who are like discovery call, like okay, I know yeah. a lot, you know, in my networking group, that, the first time I went to a networking group, that's when I learned what a discovery call was. Cause someone's like, Oh, I'd like to book a discovery call. And I'm like, what's a discovery <laughs> call? You know? so, maybe, yes. so maybe just really quickly, what does that yeah. look like? Yeah. So we jump on a call with whoever is interested in working with me. And then we like to get to know them a bit more because here's the thing. My studio is in my home. Mm. So I'm not high volume studio. I don't do mini sessions. It's been advised to me many times um, by different coaches and things. And it's just not in alignment with me because it is in my home. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I'm going to like this person as much as they're going to like me. I think that we forget that, that we're allowed to interview (laughs) Mm-hmm. The client, true, yeah, right, yeah, we mm-hmm. should interview them too. So, during that discovery call, we have some questions at the beginning, and I won't lie, depending on how they start to answer those, I sometimes, when I do them, I'm like, hmm, okay, these this person might not be my person, and so, but I'm then I start asking a few more questions that I have is like, you know, the B roll questions <laughs> to tease out yeah. a little bit more, yeah, and then of course we get into like the pricing. I want to be fully transparent. Um, pricing process, that kind of stuff. And then if they're ready to book, we'll book them right there on the phone and get them on my calendar. I don't have any pressure, sale-y kind of stuff. I, if they don't want to book, that's cool. We follow up with an email. I have a lot of templated emails um, mm, that same. I used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have so many. Makes life so much easier. Right? I know. Yeah. So I used Dubsado. They're not automated because I do like to add a little something that they maybe said yeah. during that call. Mm-hmm. And then we follow up with them. So that's how I do my discovery calls. And one of the questions I've just added to that call is like, how do you want to feel when you see your portraits? Mm, I like that. You know, I'll, how do you want to feel in your body? You know, because of the kind of work I do and the kind of clients I try and call in, for me, it's not just about how, what do you want to see? I, oh, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to see, I want, I, like, but how do you want to feel? Yeah. So for me, I'm really trying to set that tone. Like you asked me, how do I find that balance? I think it starts right from that call of like, how am I talking to them? What are, what are the words that we are using to make sure that we're both a good fit? Yeah. It seems like you, I mean, I can just tell you make people feel really comfortable from the start. And, you know, you know, boudoir can be, oh, any photo shoot can be a, totally. um, a vulnerable, you know, feel vulnerable. Like most people don't really enjoy being photographed, but there's a different level when you're showing your body, a, a different mm-hmm. level of comfortability that people have to have with you. And, and yeah, it just seems like you're really great at Aww, getting thanks. that from the start. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that, but language is so important. Again, it's mm. back to how we're communicating with people. So my background is in communications. You know, they talk about beauty school dropout. Well, I'm a master's school dropout. I was doing my <laughs> master's in communications. So language is super important. Choosing your yeah. words is super important. And I think it starts from our website to that call. And again, not just seeing people as a number. And I know mm-hmm. that probably works for a lot of people. It probably works better than it works for me. You know, I only take four shoots a month anyway. But for me, I think being really intentional about how I connect with people is, has become more and more important the deeper I get into this business. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, so you um, do the discovery call. Yeah. Once they're booked in, are they paying a session fee yep. then and there to book the shoot? And then, yep. then what happens? Yeah, so they pay the session fee. And then on that same call, we set them up right away with a creative consultation. So there's no back and forth with email or anything like that, hopefully. I mean, sometimes they don't know their schedule, but we try and get it all locked in. Then I do that creative consultation over Zoom. And I know some people go to people's homes, but Vancouver is like traffic jam central. No, thanks. Uh -uh. My (laughs) time is worth more than sitting in traffic. Oh, Michelle, I can be like, yeah. (laughs) And it does not make me feel good in my body to be sat there all the time. I also have a child who has very high needs. And so I spend a lot of my time driving around like to different doctor's appointments and things for him. So I just don't want to do that. I also think that all of my clients are busy. So I think people appreciate doing it on Zoom. I've only ever done it that way. I don't think it's changed my business. Like I tried it a few times going to people's homes and 
quite honestly, I felt like that took more time because we got more chatty. They offer you a cup of coffee and I'm not yeah. good at being like, well, I got to go. Yeah. Whereas at home, it's easier. So, you know, I, I send them a questionnaire beforehand. If they don't fill it out, it's fine. I tell them like, it's fine. Don't sweat it. I don't want this to feel like homework mm-hmm. because I am trained in, um, in trauma, like through the program that I'm in, I do ask them things like that on the questionnaire. So again, the kinds of things, not that they have to tell me, but is there anything I need to be aware of? Do you Mm -hmm. have any triggers that I need to be aware of? And for me, I also think because I ask people that, like I ask them their pronouns, I ask them how they feel about noise. I have a child who is very sensory Mm -hmm. processing, has a lot of sensory processing stuff and going through that learning about levels of noise, levels of light <laughs> mm-hmm. can really oh, be triggering oh, for people. Gosh, I love so, this. This is so true. Mm-hmm. So all of that I'm asking them. And honestly, because I ask people those questions when we're on that Zoom, they're like, wow, like people never ask me that. And even mm-hmm. if they've been photographed before, they're like, um, n- no one's ever asked me that. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think to reflect back on what you first asked me, all of these questions lead to the, by the time they get here, they feel so comforted. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I was at Portrait Masters last year and um, I was sitting around with some friends and we were talking about how I make a lot of my clients cry. And my friend, um, not intentionally, obviously, well, it just comes up. Right. And on the plane ride back, my friend who I traveled there with asked me like, you know, you mentioned that, like, she must have been thinking about it. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Like, I think it's just this release that so many people are truly being seen and their space is really being held for them. And there's just like these little crumbs Mm -hmm. along the way to ensure that comfort. I think you're making people feel important too. I mean, for someone to ask me about how I feel about certain levels of sound, especially being that I have hearing issues, you know, levels of sound and light and all of that. Like I think about, you know, the kids just went back to school and I love my kids' school. I love the staff. It's just been a really great experience. But this year they implemented where the music walking in, okay, so at drop-off, there's just booming loudspeakers with such loud music and it's playing kids music it's expected you know I think the intention was to like yeah we're back to school like let's get hyped and I was like oh and I just kept thinking about yeah I kept thinking about our and I'm not trying to bash my kids school because truly it really is an amazing school but like our kids who have sensory issues especially with sound I just kept thinking where give them the earmuffs like ah this is gonna set them off you know anyway so but my point is is that it sounds like you're making people feel listened to, heard, their needs are important. And all of that, again, goes back to just, they're going to feel so good about what they're doing with you. You know, it's, I hope so. It's, yeah, yeah. I really love this. And I know that you have your own, if, if it's okay, if I mentioned yeah, it, yeah. I, you mentioned that it was okay earlier, yeah. so, <laughs> how you have a physical disability as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's that part of it too. Like, how do you manage making sure that your client's needs are met, but you're also taking taking care of your own body? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I'm very open. So I have multiple sclerosis. And um, so I used to shoot weddings for about five years. And I'm the kind of person that was like getting up on things and trying to get the shot and doing all kinds of crazy things, yeah. thinking I'm MacGyver, but I'm really, I'm clumsy. <laughs> I'm really clumsy. I am not MacGyver. And my clients would often be like, oh, oh are you okay? Um, but I would, I, would, I would tell people like, hey, I have MS you know, that's what we say, multiple sclerosis, just say MS. And um, sometimes I'm a little dizzy. Sometimes it's a little hard for me to get up. And I tell everybody before the shoot. So mm-hmm. I do a check-in with them and how they're feeling in their body before I shoot. And I said I was woo-woo. Before the shoot, I pull a card so we can set an intention for the shoot. Like, Oh, that's kind of, so fun. I got all the woo-woo things going on. Yeah, that's great. And then after they have checked in with me about how they're doing that day, I check in with them too. Like, I'm not going to tell them that like that morning my son had a fit before school and didn't want, no, no, not that kind of stuff, but I will say. So you may know that I have multiple sclerosis and um, sometimes I get a bit dizzy. I'm a little bit wobbly, but don't worry. I won't fall on you. I use humor a lot. So I just try and be very honest with them. And I think because Mm -hmm. I'm so vulnerable with who I am and I share so much, I think it makes it more of an invitation for people to be open with me too. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, you know, again, obviously 
the, the whole shoot process is about making them comfortable and connecting. And I know you said you don't have necessarily specific poses that you do, you know, regimented or whatever. So how does it, like, how does it look during your shoot as opposed to, like, are you giving a lot of direction? Or are you yes. kind of like telling the client just to feel the mo- moment? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I, obviously I've studied posing. I mean, I've been a Subrise member, I think for seven years. Um, yeah. I've done Care Marie's courses, workshops. I was in Italy this year doing her workshop there. Oh, nice. So I've studied posing. I, I understand yeah. it, but it's kind of just all in my head. I don't, when I say I don't really pose people, I mean like I don't have like a system, like I don't okay. kind of move yep. them through, right? Yeah. And when my friend, who's a photographer, said, I really want to see what, what's happening in your studio because it seems like you're dancing. We are dancing. <laughs> so even though I have poses in mind, usually when they're in hair and makeup, I look at their clothing of what they brought because even though we did that wardrobe and creative consultation, they always surprise me um, (laughs) and bring other things. And um, so I start kind of mapping things out. I do have a brain that's all over the place. So I actually write out a few key things I want to make sure I'm going to get on a recipe card. Um, And I give that to my, yeah, Mm -hmm. I give that to my studio assistant. I'm like, okay, here's the things I think I want to do. Can you make sure I do them? comes from their mood board that they showed me something that they really, really love. Um, and I don't want to miss that. Mm-hmm. And then I just, yeah, I, I honestly, I just go with the flow. I ask them if they have a playlist that they brought. If not, I have a few curated playlists and I have different playlists of music because I'm really into music big time and music helps us activate our senses, right? And yeah, like my client that came the other day in a bad mood, it was a bit more chill that day. Some people want the music bumping. So it kind of depends. And then I feel like I just kind of go on that energy that they have. I know, again, the woo-woo energy stuff, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I mean, um, <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. Unless a client <laughs> verbalizes that, no, I don't want to pull a card or I don't, whatever. I, I just feel like it adds to the just the whole experience in general. Yeah. And you know, some people have an intention, right? They're like, I really want this kind of thing. I really want to see myself like this. I have this mood board. Other people are like, I got nothing. Let's just play. Yeah. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. And also that word play. I often tell people today is just about play, you know, because how often as adults do we play? Mm -hmm. Just play for the heck of it. Um, Not very often. Not with our our kids, right? Not with our kids. I have a very good friend of mine. Um, We go on artist play dates where every quarter we try and do something in the arts together and it's our own play date. No kids, no family, no nothing, just the two of us. And I feel like when my clients come here, it's almost like that play date for them, you know, of just being playful. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I also do a lot of breathing exercises with them. I get them to pause if I notice that they are really stressed or stiff. I'll be like, hey, you know what? Let's just take a minute here. And if it's cool with you, if this feels comfortable, let's do this quick little breathing exercise. And typically they're like, oh, yeah, I needed that. (laughs) I needed that. So sometimes I'll do things like that. But just trying to bring them out of their head. Mm -hmm. You know, we all photograph people. They're like, do I look good? Do I look stupid? Are my hands in the right place? Like, And they're so in their head. So I just, I'm trying to get them out of their head as much as possible so that they can just be more present in their bodies. I'm glad you're bringing this up because people quite often will ask ask about that. Like, what do you do when someone just cannot get into the poses and is, you know, just so stiff? And yeah, it's a similar... My response is a similar process to yours. And sometimes I'm like holding their hands and, I, you know, if they say it's okay for me to touch them, you know, I'm yeah. holding their hands and I'm like, I got this. Like, I see something different than what you see. And like, if you just like, let me do my thing, as long as you're comfortable, like, this is going to be great. Like, just trust me, you know? And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's well, like. They just need to be comforted. But you know what, mm-hmm. Nikki? I also think that we freeze in the moment when our clients freeze, because sometimes they're reflecting back at us, you know, how we might be, how we might feel our own insecurities as well. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that just yesterday about, um, and because I'm doing this really deep embodiment work and learning more about that, it's so often, and I think this comes back to like the Photoshopping and how we alter people's bodies. I think often that's a reflection of our own insecurities because we wouldn't want to be seen a certain way. So then we project that onto our clients. And so sometimes I think when we freeze, and I froze too, but I feel like the more you become comfortable in yourself and your body and more free in yourself, Mm 
and mm-hmm. do that in our work, you'll be able to guide people and pose people and not be so in your own head, you yeah. know, like, and just be a bit more free spirited through it all. Yeah, definitely. Oh, this is all such good stuff. One more thing I wanted to, to say before we talk about your pricing is the one thing that Seattle traffic did that was positive for me was transition me into IPS in-person sales, but doing it online because this was like way before COVID. I think I did in-person, in-person sales for like a year before I was like, this traffic is, I, I don't want to do it for me or the clients. So I know you do the in-person sales on online, which is just some people feel differently about it. Some people are showing so many, you know, prints and they have to do it online or, or in person as opposed to online. But I personally love doing it online. It sounds like you do as well. So just maybe you can take us through yeah, sure. when you're pricing and then what the process looks like for you. Yeah, sure. So I actually have a, I, I let them choose what they want. So I would say about half of my sales sessions. Ah. So I do IPS as well are on Zoom because a lot of my clients aren't local to me. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients and I don't I haven't solved this mystery, but it's okay. I'll own it. They come from Vancouver Island, so you have to take a ferry from there. They come from Whistler, which is about two hours away from here. Fantastic. They come from Yeah. So a lot of my clients yeah. aren't really local to me, um, which is so fascinating. So in that case, I will offer them as I'm not gonna make them come back. You know, I'll right. offer them it's a big trip, yeah. Yeah. And then if they are local, I do suggest that they come in and see me. So I give them the option and I would say it's about 50-50. So with the in-person sales, I I can't stress enough the importance of emails to set people up. So Mm. I have lots of email communication and just recently went through again and added a few more emails. Like I have 38 emails that clients get between the time that they sign up with me and the, the time that, well, a year later, because I also have a yeah. year follow-up uh, email that I send, a six-month follow-up and a year follow-up. So I have a lot of emails. I bet Matt, remember I said I love communication. So um, <laughs> over-communicate a little bit. So hopefully by the time they get here, they have a clear idea of how things are going to go. They get here, I offer them something, let, uh, same kind of thing. Like I, I'm not just like, let's just jump to it. You know? yeah. <laughs> Show me the money. Like I'm not quite like that. Um, we go through the photos. There's often big emotions. Mm-hmm. That's often when they cry, you know, this release to see themselves. And then we go through, I'll ask them like, so what were you thinking that you would like? Now, I guess I should rewind and say, I do offer prepayment as well as an option and they can prepay. And so sometimes they'll prepay for often actually my smallest collection because they're not sure, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to like these. And then they'll upgrade. And then they do. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so usually if they've prepaid, it's a little bit different because I'll say, okay, great. Like we know we, you're going to love eight of these because that's what you've prepaid for. Um, so I do follow like Sue's pricing, like the eight, the 16, 25, 35. I have four collections. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then I walk them through that. And then we'll, we'll do like one pass of the images. I usually show them around 80 images. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's quite a bit. Well, I shoot... Like I love black and white, but I also show them in color. And I would say that, um, and there are some color photos on my website. And I would say people choose about half and half. Some people love my black and white and some people love color. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients with a lot of tattoos. I have like, you know, the colorful hair and it's part of their personality. So even yeah. though I like black and white, I do offer it to them. Um, and then usually after that first pass, um, they'll usually get it down to about half. <laughs> Yeah. And then we'll be like, okay. And again, I don't try and sell to them. I just say, okay, great. Like, this is what you're trying to work with. Let's get it there. And sometimes they talk themselves into it, right? They're like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'll just meet them where they're at, as I always do, and say, okay, well, do you need my help to be more discerning? Or what are you feeling? So again, just checking in with them. So that's basically how my sales go. So for the 8, 16, 25, 35, you said, or 24, 35? Yeah. So it's actually, it's seven, not eight. I don't know why I said eight. It's okay, seven. So seven. Yeah. Seven, 15, 25, 35. Okay. What, is it just the digitals that they're getting with that? Or are they getting anything along with the digital? Or are you no, just doing get, prints? Yeah, they get prints. Um, okay. So I do in my bottom two collections, it's matted prints. And I did, when I first found Super Ice, I had the reveal wall. And that honestly did help me sell because I was doing more in-person sales in like here in my studio, but again, it's only 300 square feet. So I really wanted that wall space back. So once I got comfortable with that, I got rid of that, but absolutely. I, I see myself as an artist and art should be 
enjoyed off a screen. Um, Mm -hmm. So print and product is super important to me. The top two collections have albums. So they can, um, well, so I have the four collections, the three come with matted prints. If they want, they can have an album in that third, like the top third. And then the top, top package comes with a fancy album and the- Ooh, what's a fantasy album? album? Fa- fancy. I said oh, fancy. fancy. Oh, fantasy. Oh, fantasy. Oh, I know. I'm like, ooh, what do you got? No, well, so what, depending what makes, on the client. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between the kind of fancier album and the- the other album. Okay. Well, I use the boudoir album here in, Van- or in Vancouver. They're not in Vancouver. They're in Toronto, in Canada. And they have, you know, with the acrylic front and the image on the front. And it's just gorgeous. I also, for that top album, it's a larger size. So I usually do okay. 8 by 10 for my albums. But if you get the top package, it's a 9 by 12 And I don't know, for me, especially maybe this is my design background, but 9 by 12 just feels like it has more of that editorial magazine feeling than 8 by 10 which is still nice. Mm-hmm. But in your hands, it does feel different. So that's the difference. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So you had mentioned before, Michelle, that you aren't quite sure how, you know, the client's coming from different parts of Canada or whatever, but how are you getting most of your clients? You know, what is your, I guess, top couple marketing strategies? Yeah, I've really struggled with that over the years. I used to network like crazy um, a lot. I used to network a lot. I'm pretty outgoing. I don't mind networking, but I've started to feel like the networking that I was doing was probably just not with the right in the right spaces. Lovely mm-hmm. people, don't get me wrong, but maybe not the right type of connections. So I did a lot of BNI and local women's yeah. groups and things like that. And then I've run ads um, several times that have run completely like Facebook flat. ads? Yeah, Facebook ads, yeah. Google ads, spent a small fortune, especially on Google ads, ran completely flat for me. And more recently, really kind of tapping into who I am, back to that why, back to my my values. And honest, people have been coming in, every client that comes in, because again, I'm not high volume, that I'm like, oh my God, this person's amazing. You know, I'm looking at my assistant the whole time going like, sorry, I still can't get over that you're in my studio because I literally was just thinking about this kind of person and how I'd love to, and like, here you are, like the manifestation. That love attraction of that. sort of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I used to work in community development. When I started my business, I, I had a pretty strong business network anyway. Um, so I had a nice flow of people, but of course your prices change. It's almost like you have to go through a cleanse. Mm. I would say 45% of my clients are either returning clients or, um, referrals. So I get a lot of referrals through clients. Um, Google, I do get a decent amount through Google just organically. I feel like when I was trying the ads and now I am running ads, but for a different reason. So I can tell you about that in a second. Sure. I feel like when I was trying ads before, I used the analogy of Cinderella's stepsister trying on the glass slipper, right? She was trying on that damn glass slipper, hoping it was going to fit. And guess what? It's not her size. Um, And that's often how I felt because I kept doing ads. I kept seeing people around me being successful with ads and comparing myself being like, why are they so successful with ads? And like, Mm -hmm. I can't get nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also because of who I was attracting through those ads. We're not my people. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really want to attract people that want to be more intentional, that um, want to work with an artist and create and commission me, not hire me. Yeah. And so I started to just think about like, where was I spending my time? Who am I talking to? How can I sh- shift that up? And I know Felicia is like queen of networking and talks about that too. Like, where are you spending Felicia your Reed. time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, so thinking a little bit more about that. So earlier in the year, I ran a workshop And it was all about feminine embodiment. And I did it at a yoga studio. And it's like, well, why is a photographer teaching this? Well, I also am soon to be like officially a feminine embodiment coach and want to work that into my my Uh, work as a photographer. So trying to talk to different audiences in different ways and not just coming in as a photographer, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think is so important to stretch how people find you. Um, yes. And it's not always easy, Nikki. It's really like great. Yeah. 
right? I, I, it's not easy. Like, and I think mm-hmm. because I'm like, I'm not doing many sessions. I've, I sometimes felt like super resistance. Like I'm not doing this. No, not going. <laughs> you can't yeah. make me do it. It is hard. And there has been times where I'm like, oh, shit. Can I swear on here? <laughs> I mean, like, I do. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I don't know if everybody likes it, but I don't know. <laughs> okay, good. I try really hard when I'm on podcasts not to drop F-bombs because it's a thing. I know. Um, I do. <laughs> um, no, it's hard. It's hard to call in the right people because we can all find clients. I recently did run a sale and I just found that the people that were coming to me through that sale were just like not the right fit. They just wanted something cheap. And I'm like, this doesn't align with me. I don't want to have to run campaigns and sales. And I know that might seem like a big ego thing that I'm an artist and I want to stick, stay true to that. No, but- I don't think it's an ego thing. I think it's a what works for you thing and where yeah. you want to place your energy. I mean, totally. some people love campaigns. It's not something I've done or really want to do, mm-hmm. but some people are super successful with it. Like, like we all get yeah. to pick and choose yeah. what works for us and try things. Like you said, the glass slipper, like we have to try things yeah. to decide whether or not it's going to work for us. And, you know, it's just part of it all. Well, yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because I think there is so much rhetoric around the industry of like doing things these ways because we've seen someone do it and we want to, we're stuck and we're trying to figure it mm-hmm. out. But the best thing that was said to me earlier in this year is that just be yourself and be a bit louder at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and hopefully that will just start to call things in. I will say my number one thing that converts for me is my newsletter. I send out an email. Yeah, email you marketing are the sec- is my thing. Second person in a row to just say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yep, Judith Hill, who I believe was out two weeks before you or three weeks before you, she said the same thing. And I'm email? like, yes, that email marketing. So tell us about how you do it. Yeah, email, so... I said I'm still running an ad. And what I'm doing right now is I'm running an ad to grow my email list. So I'm not running mm-hmm. an ad to get bums in seats, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running an ad to get people on my email list. And that's been going pretty well. Now, of course, that's a slow-burning candle, right? It's it not is. fireworks, mm-hmm. right? It's a slow-burning mm-hmm. candle. And it you is. have to have the patience and the long game. But I can tell you... What I've noticed, and I think this is why my clients come in and they're just so amazing and so aligned, is because I've been developing that relationship with a lot of them through my email. Mm -hmm. Um, I only offer sales now through my emails. I send four emails a month, so one every week. We send them on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And um, we write them in a way, and I say we because I have someone that works with me, Rebecca. She's amazing, and she helps me write them. Um, I give her the ideas, and she just zhuzhes it all up and puts it in Flowdesk, which is what I use. And we write it like a conversation. Like I don't mm-hmm. sell a lot through my one email a month out of the four is a sales email. Mm-hmm. The other three are just tips, not even about photography. Mm -hmm. like just, you know, I'm doing this embodiment coaching right now. So sometimes I'll be sharing like what I'm learning and here's some cool things you might want to try for back to school that can help you feel grounded or that kind of stuff. And so I'm really showing up in that email as myself and my values and what I stand for comes through that way. Now I used to have a Facebook group and I just hated it. I hated always being on Facebook. I felt like Mm -hmm. I love the group. I had 500 people in there, but I felt like I was just, I felt like a bit of a clown, you know, I had to go in there and dance around and be a court jester and it didn't feel like an alignment. Whereas with email marketing, I can just, we can just like write it all, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like journaling. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It is like journaling. Yeah, that's how I approach it. Yeah. People like to hear those personal stories as well, as opposed to just like you can't. I think it's very important to talk about how you can't just get this big email list and then sell, sell, sell. You have to nurture. Yeah. You have to give them some things that are going to make them, you know, want to read more and learn more and then eventually book. And it might take lots of time. It's not a. A quick game. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a long run. But it's building that relationship, right? Exactly. Relationship building. Thank you. That was a much easier way to say what I just said. (laughs) So when you, when you do that selling email, can you give people an example of what that might look like? Like, is it, um, just give us an example. Yeah, sure. We ran a, we did a, like a spring fling sale and we announced that in our email and like, well, I got four bookings right away. 
Sweet. So I try not to do that often because I don't want to be like one of those stores that trains people that you have sales on all the time. But hey, you know, we have been in a recession. The cost of living here is insane. I don't mind throwing out a sale every now and then. And then Mm -hmm. even when I write about it, I'll often reflect on that, you know, and just being like, hey, everybody's feeling a bit heavy. So come on into the studio and let's, let's change that for you. So again, even when I run a sale, it's not like, Buy now, come, you yeah. know, start the car, fire sale, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. I try and do it again with uh, um, some intention. Yeah. And um, I feel like because you're warming people up, again, it's the long game. It's not always like that. But I do feel like we get pretty good traction when, because people may have joined the newsletter. Um, I will also say that a lot of my people on my newsletter respond to me. So if mm-hmm. you're writing newsletters, I highly encourage you to ask people questions. Yes, agree. And and I won't even lie, people respond to me all the time. I get emails that say, I so needed that today, thank you. I yes, get emails that were like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I never even thought about that like that, thank you. I get emails that are like, okay, celebrating that with you, that's amazing. Like it's it's pretty impressive how much correspondence I get through my newsletter. It's not, you know, obviously... I have, I think, 700 people on my newsletter. I don't want 700 emails <laughs> responding. Right. But I do get a nice amount. And it makes you feel good. You're like, wow, people are actually reading They're reading it. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in so. that said, I don't want people to think that every single person is going to open your email. I no, think it's like not. if you get like oh, more than a 25% open rate, like you're doing good or something like that. So. Yeah, so I think the average is around 25 to 30. Our open rate, I was just looking last week, is around 63%. That's amazing. So it's that's pretty big. high. Like, that's high, very high. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah. And then, of course, you put like some links in there. Like we will link to blog posts and things like that. We will link to things on my website, but we're not always like, bye, bye, bye. Yeah. We don't get a lot of people clicking the links, like moving through, but we do have a pretty high open rate. So that's exciting. And I do think it's because we approach it through a conversational lens versus a selling yeah. lens. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. This has been really great. I do. I have one more question before I yeah. get to the end. How are you lighting? Like, are you using natural? Because I see a lot of natural light behind you. If you're listening to this, just so you know, this is, vi- we are doing video podcasts now. So. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. The last several no, I don't think video so. <laughs> podcasts on YouTube. So, um, but I notice a lot of natural light behind you. So I'm just curious. Well, you know what? Um, when I designed this space, I didn't think that through. And so I have on the opposite side of this room is where my backdrops are set up. So I use like hand-painted backdrops. And this year I got two Vlada backdrops and I love them so much. Nice. Um, yes. And there is a sliding glass door over there. But hello, you lived in Seattle. You will know that the weather here, while it's beautiful, West Coast, Best Coast, and all of that jazz is dark and gloomy <laughs> a lot in the yeah. winter. So this natural light that you're seeing today may not be here in October. So I actually use Profoto lights. Okay. Um, I love lighting. I have three of them. And in a photo shoot, I typically use almost all three every time. Um, for me, lighting is just different. It's like having different paintbrushes. I love, mm-hmm. I have lighting setups that I go to, but yeah, I love lighting very, very much. Um, I have different modifiers that I use depending on what I want to do. And yeah, that's part of the play for me anyway. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's great. And that's, it's nice to have, um, uh, yeah, oh, God, for those gloomy days, whether it's constant light or strobe or whatever it is that people choose to use, having that is an absolute lifesaver on those days if you're a natural light. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I can shoot natural light. I, with personal brand photography, I when I go on location, I do bring one light and one mm. umbrella, super easy to mm. pack up. And you know, even when someone tells you that their office has amazing light, you get there. I'm sure we've all been there. You're like, hmm. Mm, yeah. Oh, there's lots of yellow on the wall, or, you know, on the walls or like, yeah. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. So I always bring a reflector and I always bring one light, one stand and one umbrella. And it really depends on the client. So if the client I feel like is more open to allowing me to play, then I will. But I do schedule in once a quarter um, a creative shoot where I'll invite a friend or someone that I've worked with before just to play mm-hmm. and create just for the sake of creation. I, I highly encourage people to do that because it still keeps you connected with that artistry. Yeah, great that's advice. 
yeah, that's when I really feel like I get to dive into the the fun that is lighting and like people don't be scared of lighting. You know, I know it's, it's a lot to learn. My tip, if you have a local college in your community, I feel like these local colleges are so easily forgotten about, but they often offer like a photography course and they have all the gear like it's cheaper than mm, renting. You can play you can go, with that. Yeah. Yeah. You can go take a, I did, you can go take a course for like 200 bucks, um, spend six weeks, have all the gear at your fingertips and you'll start to really, then you don't have to buy all the things. And mm-hmm. I don't know, that's what I did. And it really helped. Yeah. That's smart. Very smart. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. This has been yeah. really, really great. Yeah. Yeah, but I do have me. the questions I always ask at yeah. the end of the episode. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Speaking of all the gear. Oh, what is something I can't live without? Well, this doesn't have to be gear because I'm going to ask no, you a gear No, it's gear not a gear. Question. Well, my answer isn't gear. So thank okay. goodness because I, I didn't do think love it was gear. <laughs> I can't live without my studio assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, last summer, I had a very sweet young lady who asked me for a summer job. She was 18 and she was going off to school to do dance school in New York. So she was saving up money for that. And I was like, I don't know what I could get you to do, but yeah, sure. Do you want to assist at my shoes? I have a very small space. So I was trying to think of like, how am I going to fit another body in here? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you by the end of the summer, Nikki, I was like, please don't go. <laughs> Who needs dance school? <laughs> Stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs New York? Come on. Right? Um, so when she left, I asked a friend of mine who is a stay-at-home mom that her kids goes to school with my son and was like, hey, do you want to work for me? Would you be interested? And she was like, what would I do? Same kind of thing. I was like, just come to my shoots. I'll walk you through what I do. And it has been revolutionary for me because I have a small space, because things can get crowded, if clients Mm -hmm. bring too much stuff, or I am moving things from one side to the next side, depending on how I'm shooting. Honestly, it's just such a game changer. She helps me tidy up. So you asked me about my body and how I take care of my MS, that, having a a studio assistant. I can imagine, yeah. Because after, I can just have a cup of tea. I can just sit down. I have a little bit of um, a ritual that I do after a shoot to like just reclaim my own energy. And having that assistant help me through, oh my gosh, game changer, Mm -hmm. worth every penny. Everyone needs one. I agree. And, and it can help me focus on the things that I really yes. need to focus on where if I'm missing that there's like a hair in the, yes. the eye or on the lipstick or whatever, and she can jump in and just get that fixed or whatever. And, you know, it's yes. everything from the physical part of it, of moving things and, you know, yeah. all of that down to just making sure that if they have a necklace on so yeah. many times, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crooked, you know, and then I have to find one where it's straight and replace, you know, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Game changer. Everybody needs one. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? Okay. So I love the arts and I love to go to the art gallery here in Vancouver. I recently joined a pop choir. Um, Oh, that's fun. (laughs) So much fun. Um, We sing publicly. So we sang on the art gallery steps recently. We sang at a beach recently and we sing things like Beyonce and like fun songs that you don't think choirs sing and we dance Mm -hmm. and it's super animated and for me, doing something like that, that was creative out of my comfort. I can't sing, okay? I'm not a singer. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It makes it 10 times better. Uh, um, in fact, at the last practice, uh, my friend beside me was like, I think you're singing soprano, which I'm not a soprano. I'm a mezzo. I was like, oh, sorry. Because um, I was just hearing them and going along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that just brings me so much joy and being in community with other people. Also, I don't talk about business while I'm there. I don't talk about my family while I'm there. I don't talk about any of it. I just go and it's my space. Um, I also do artist dates with my friend that I was mentioning and I love to cook. So I've been spending a lot of time. My kid is a bookworm, so we go to the library a lot and I've just been um, really exploring veganism. So just getting more into cooking and that kind of stuff. So yeah. Fun. It sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number three is what is a you know, some sort of photography product that you would recommend for photographers to have? Okay. I think the easiest thing that everyone should have is a reflector. Mm, That's my answer too, for sure. A reflector and a Mm -hmm. big one. Um, I 
that my reflector is, a, I think it's a five in one. So it's the middle acts like a scrim and um, it's got gold, gold and silver kind of mixed white. Yeah. I think that's all it has. Black. Um, I think there's black on one side. It's like, oh yeah, black, black, black gold, black. white, silver. And then the, you can pull it off and there's a scrim. Or if, yeah, if you scrim. have the same one that I do. Yeah. A five and yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and mine's pretty big. Um, in fact, sometimes I've had my assistants be like, do you still need me to hold it up? Oh, um, there are. Because <laughs> I used to shoot weddings and, you know, we're by the water here and a lot of people want to be by the water. And mm-hmm. sometimes I needed that scrim. It helps you like a hot damn. Sometimes yeah. my clients will be like, what does that thing do? And I'll show them a before and after picture of one with a, with using the reflector, one without. I use yeah. it in my studio. If my assistant, for example, she is a stay-at-home mom. If her kids get sick and I can't have her, it's sometimes so sad. Um, but I'll just put it on a light stand to bring mm-hmm. people. I know I have three lights, but sometimes when I'm by myself, I don't want to bring out all the things. Sure. Just they're so cheap. They're like 75 bucks or something. I don't know. Everybody needs one. I have three. I keep one in the car, one in here, and then there's one probably lost somewhere else that I've left. But I just, yeah, cheapest thing, easiest thing, clamshell lighting. You don't need two lights. Use a reflector. There's so many things you can do with it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out? Price yourself sustainably. Mm -hmm. I did not see what you're doing as a business. I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always really connected to the art. I went to art school. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. was really connected mm-hmm. to the artistry and invest in a good business coach, you know, and mm-hmm. know that every business coach will bring you different nuggets. I've had several right now. I'm working with one that is not in our industry. So, and I've had great experiences from all of them, but I think that we are so scared to invest in ourselves and do that inner work. And I think getting a coach really does help guide you because yeah. don't follow the masses either. Yeah. Yeah. Do what works for you. That's, uh, yeah. Don't, yeah. If people are going right, go left. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm a big encourager of that as well. Although tell me if you disagree or if I'm, but I feel like we don't have to recreate the wheel and all the things like you are like, okay, I use a certain pricing model, but then you make it your own and you find ways to, yeah, yeah. 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 You don't have to recreate the wheel, but you also don't have to feel like that's the gospel truth, right? Like there's only one way, which is why over the years I have had different business coaches and some of them were not in alignment, even though I know they're at the top of their game in our industry and awesome. But that didn't work for me. So I also want to say, if you're listening and you're thinking about having a coach, you get to interview them. Don't just hire them because they're at the top of their game. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's the same as when you're finding someone to help you with mental health. Like, don't you don't just have to go to the counselor because your friend went to them. Mm -hmm. Interview them. Ask them questions. Think about what your needs are before you invest not only in yourself, but in them too. Yeah. I think that goes for shooting as well. Um, being mm-hmm. a judge for the Portrait Masters Award, sometimes I'll see a photo and I'll think, wow, that looks identical, you know, down to mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. you know, type of person with the same hair as someone I know who took that same photo. And I know, like, we want to take inspiration from people. We all do it. But make sure you're making that your own. You know, it's like not only just like the services you provide in the business, but but also with your work, you know? So Yeah, so go to an art gallery. I think that that's another thing. Oh, yeah, I love that. I think we are all looking at inspiration. I noticed this in weddings. You know, I shot weddings for five years. It was the same thing. Everybody looks the same. The hair is blowing mm-hmm. in the wind, especially here, West Coast, you know? Mm. And you're like, okay, well, what else can you do? Um, and you get stuck in a funk. And it's like, because all you're looking at, and it's not your fault. Like, you're taking in information all the time. That mm-hmm. looks the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so go yeah. and look at something that might be different, that might not even be photography. Look at yeah. like the legends that have passed. Go to the library and look at art books because I think then you're going to start to see different ways of like chiaroscuro, like lighting and all this other kind of stuff that you're not seeing in the groups. Or maybe you are, but you're still recreating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I sure. think that we have to get out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And that goes back to when you were saying doing a creative shoot once a month, you know, just for fun, where there's no client pressure, there's no one telling you what to do, you're styling it, you're doing it. And it's just, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you online, Michelle? 
So I'm at Mateus Studios. Um, I have a website. It is mateusstudios.com. And I have a second Instagram, which is Mateus Coaching, which I talk more about my embodiment work there. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I, I mean, I coach photographers, but I work it in, I work in the embodiment piece, a lot of like self-reflection before we get to the other juicy stuff that everyone wants to dive into. I want people to pause. So you can go to Mateus Coaching to learn more about that. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, thanks for having Realize me. You, are you coming to this um, Portrait Masters this year? No, I'm not coming oh, to Portrait oh, Masters okay. this year. Um, I have a lot going on with my kiddo, and I just yeah. really wanted to Family be first. Yeah. You know what? That is so important, and that was always an internal struggle. Not that I wanted to ditch them. I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes we want to ditch them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but back to, back to school is a heavy time, and last year yeah. I was really missed during that time. So yeah. this year it's all about him. Yeah. I'll be thinking of everybody. I know it's the last one um, this way anyway. Well, we, so. yeah, we will be incorporating so much great Portrait Master stuff into WPPI. I just got privy to lots of good information there. It's going to be amazing. So Okay, yeah. that's, that's exciting to hear. Yeah. Yes, I will miss seeing friends, and I hope that you will have a fantastic time. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Uh, thanks for having me, Nikki. All right. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure I'll see you soon, maybe in March at WPPI. And yay, thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.